All right, Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights, and I am your host, as always, Derek Wills. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to have you here today and humbled, as always. Um, so there's been a lot, uh, lot of news since last week. Obviously, we had the midterm elections happen, and... Um, well, uh, a lot of people might have a different opinion about that than I do. And uh, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into um, what this means for the future as it relates to gun rights specifically. Um, and also we're going to get into there was a shooting at uh, a bar in California. Uh, we're going to delve into that a little bit as well. And... Uh, Basically, we're just going to kind of go through what the consequences of gun control are. So there's a lot to get to today, uh, and we're going to get to all of it. But first, I want to thank our sponsor here at Lone Star Gun Talk, and that is The Bunker. The Bunker is a veteran-owned and operated small business in the Texas Hill Country specializing in products for those who long to thrive in the outdoors, whether you are looking for unique, tactical gifts or preparing for a natural or man-made events, they have the products just for you. Go to thebunkertexas.com to check out their inventory of bug out bags, tactical packs, first aid kits, MREs, and much, much more, especially with Veterans Day being uh, this past Sunday. Uh, go out there and support uh, small veteran-owned businesses and uh, give back to those who have uh, who have been willing to sacrifice for you. Uh, be sure to enter the promo code LSGR at checkout to tell them that both we sent you and you will receive a 10% off your order. Again, that is thebunkertexas.com, promo code LSGR as in Lone Star Gun Rights. Okay, so let's get into it. We had uh, a shooting happen in California, gun-controlled California, as if they don't have enough gun control, they need more of it. And uh, just so happens that this was in a gun-free zone. Shocker, I know. Uh, but here is here is what we really need to take away from this. Every time that there is a shooting now, it seems. Uh, for one, it becomes national news. I don't think that it should. Uh, yes, it is absolutely tragic. Any loss of life is tragic. But not everything needs to be national news. A shooting at a bar in California does not need to be national news. Even, again, not taking away from the tragic tragedy that it is. Even like a school shooting doesn't need to be national news. Why is it national news? Because the left controls the media and the left wants to end, essentially end the Second Amendment. Some of them want just gun control. Uh, a lot of them want to end gun ownership as a whole. Let's be honest here. Uh, but there is a lot of things that, that the left wants to do. So anytime that there is anything having to do with guns that is negative, they will always report on it. Notice they never report on any time somebody stops a mass shooting from happening. Somebody stops a robbery because they were armed. The left doesn't want to tell those narratives because that might change public opinion. And we can't do that. Luckily, there is truth out there for all of us. 
And that's why you tune in here, because we give you the truth. Now, the thing that kind of irks me is that the talking points remain the same. They uh, People have clinged, and don't misunderstand this. I'm not quoting Obama here saying you're clinging to guns and God. There's nothing wrong with clinging to guns and God. I do the same every day. But here is the thing. We have exhausted all of our talking points. How long has it been? I mean, we, we live in a fast-paced world. Everything is moving forward quickly. Everything is changing. The dynamics are shifting. And yet, our talking points are exactly the same. And the reason for that is because this conversation hasn't actually taken off. This conversation hasn't actually gone anywhere. This conversation is at the exact same point it was before mass shootings became, quote, a thing. The talking point that the, that the right likes to use is, well, these happen in gun-free zones. Surprise, it's in gun-controlled California. It's in this and this and that. I'm tired of hearing it because clearly, I mean, let's think here. The definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Us cramming down this, it's in California, it's in gun-controlled California, it took place in the gun-free zone. The reason that we are still saying that is because it's not resonating with people on the left. It's not resonating for, with those who oppose us or have different views than us. People, they're not receptive to that. And so here's what I'm going to offer you instead. Instead of pointing out how this was a gun-free zone, how 98% or whatever the statistic is, it's astronomically high, how 98, 99% of all shootings take place in what are considered gun-free zones or heavily gun-controlled areas. Instead of pointing all that out because it hasn't resonated with those, how about we just, we'll let them talk. And I know this sounds radical, but hear me out just a little bit. We, we need to be on the offensive whenever it comes to legislation, for sure. We are tired of being on defense. But whenever it comes to the conversation, let's let them, and I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to steer from a different adage that I want to use because it would be a very inappropriate pun, but let's let them dig themselves into a hole. Uh, and if you are of the left and you are listening to this, if you are, uh, uh, against my opinions as it relates to this, that's fine. I'm not trying to, this is not some secret society where we are, you know, these cult followings. We have the secret symbol of the cross AR 15. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. Whenever it comes to the left making their talking points, we should respond to that because here's the thing. Whenever somebody like David Hogg or any other leftist leader comes out and says, see, here's another example of why we need more gun control. Uh, one of the people who served, or who lost a child uh, at the bar, and I, obviously it was a grown adult, but it was a parent. One of the parents whose child was uh, was unfortunately killed in this event came out saying, "This, I'm tired of waiting. I don't want your thoughts and prayers. We need more gun control. That's fine. Let let the grieving grieve. And then whenever it comes to people like David Hogg or whomever touting about uh, 
how we need more gun control. Let's stop using our own platform to say, this is how awful these people are. Let's go to them. Let's respond to them. Let's go to people like David Hogg and say, hey, let me challenge you on these statistics. And here's the thing. I have done this before, and so I know how frustrating it can be. Anytime you do that, the, the left loves these swarm tactics where you can't possibly, re they have, have so many people replying to you all at the same time that they cannot possibly, you cannot possibly address every one of them. The notifications get so irritating, you just want to throw your phone, okay? Just be prepared for that. But let's take the conversation to them. Let's let them talk. We will, and respond, don't respond with, uh, with points of fact, save that in your back pocket. Respond with questions. Make them answer questions. Don't say, you are wrong because. Say things like, what gun control law would have prevented this shooting? Because he already entered it. And, and you don't have to rebut or, or clarify, but here is my clarification for you. Whenever you ask a question like, hey, what gun control law would have prevented this from happening? What piece of legislation that doesn't already exist would have prevented this from happening? Then they are on the defensive. They have to reply. And they will either ignore you, which is fine, which means you have made a point, a valid point, and they are going to, uh, you know probably block you, which is fine. I've been blocked plenty of times. Mom Demand Action does not want me around anymore on their Twitter. But if you ask them simple questions like that, it forces them to think outside of the talking points. And this is ultimately the point that I'm trying to make. We, as well, need to start thinking outside the talking points. Let's bring an intellectual conversation to this. This is ultimately what the Time Magazine project was about, right? Starting a conversation. How do you, what, what is the best way to have a conversation about a topic like gun rights or gun control? The best way is to have intellectually uh, savvy discussions. And the only way you can do that is without talking points. Talking points mean nothing. That's why they're talking points. So... That's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I am going to challenge you to find all of your gun control friends if you have them. Uh, I would encourage you to have gun control friends. Not because, uh, not because we agree with them, but because you can reach somebody you are close to uh, far easier than somebody who is uh, estranged from you or separated by the wall of the internet. And for those people on the internet, go out and challenge them. Ask them tough, pointed questions that they have to answer. And then go from there. Don't be an internet troll like I see a lot of people doing and just, and just, that's not going to help the conversation. Let's help the conversation. Ask them specifically what form of gun control legislation would have stopped this from happening. That's my challenge to you. And that's really all I'm going to say about this because there's really nothing else to say. I don't like spouting the shooter's name or history because it doesn't matter. What matters is what he did and 
why? Well, even the why doesn't really matter. Well, all that matters is what he did. And he shot up a bar, killed a, a bunch of people, and uh, that's really it. What could stop it? That's the question that needs to be answered. And we all know what that is. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by telling you, by reaffirming what you already know. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the election here. Um, I don't think, I don't view this as a win for Republicans. I do not uh, view this as a good thing. And let me tell you why. Yes, the Republicans did gain more than a handful of seats in the Senate, which is a good thing. Uh, but here's, here's the bad thing. Republicans have failed us numerous times. Um, Republicans have been... Republicans have had their hand in why we are where we are today. So to, to suggest that anything the House throws at the Senate is safe because of the fact that the Republicans control con uh, control the Senate is, is not reassuring to me. Don't put your faith in the Senate. Keep in mind. Okay. So, uh, let me just back up just a moment here. Donald Trump came out and endorsed Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House. I We posted this on our Facebook page and... I I I was very disappointed with the reaction that we received. A lot of people came to his defense saying what a genius 4D chess player he is with, you know, thinking five moves ahead and blah blah blah. Look. This is really this is not going to rub a lot of y'all in a good way. Donald Trump is not a good president whenever it comes to uh, liberties, okay? Uh, and this is, Donald Trump has done some good things, yes. But this cult-like following, and as well as this cult-like hatred that I've seen from the right and the, and the left, respectively, is very disturbing to me because... When Donald Trump does things that Obama did, his supporters praise him when they, uh, when they chastise, rightfully chastise Obama for doing the exact same thing. And, you know, people need to be consistent whenever it comes to, whenever it comes to their elected officials. One of the reasons that we are, the Lone Star Gun Rights endorsement is so hard to get. We only started doing it in, during the primaries. The only reason that it's so hard to get is because we don't want to throw our name behind somebody who's going to flip-flop on, on, on the issue of gun rights. We may be a single-issue organization, but I promise you that every one of us that, that, uh, it, that advocates on behalf of Lone Star Gun Rights, we have a lot more uh, deeper issues that we care about, okay? Just so happens that gun rights is kind of our number one. But for me personally, I advocate for a lot outside of Lone Star Gun Rights. Me personally, I, uh, I am very big on fiscal responsibility. I am very big on individual liberties as a whole. I am very big on ending... Uh, 
infringements on our Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights. I am, and and even our First Amendment rights. I, you know, issues matter to us beyond uh, Lone Star, beyond gun rights. But because we are a gun rights organization, that is the one issue that we, as an organization, have to focus on. Whenever it comes to gun rights, Donald Trump is not a good president whenever it comes to gun rights. And we need to recognize that. I've, I've spent the past few weeks uh, telling people, telling you, why he has come up so short. Well, here's the thing. I don't believe that he is the 4D chess master who is thinking five moves ahead. I don't believe that. And... Two things can be true at once here. I can appreciate th the good things that Donald Trump has done and absolutely slam him whenever he does things that I do not agree with. And that is the way each and every one of us should carry ourselves. We shouldn't care what the person's political party affiliation is. If they do good, praise them. If they do bad, chastise them. Here's the thing. Donald Trump endorsing Nancy Pelosi is a bad thing. It makes him look uh it makes him look like he is going to sell out what we believe are in, on important issues. He's already said last year that after his meeting with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi that he uh wants to make deals with them. Okay? I criticized him for that as well. And now he has endorsed her for Speaker of the House, and I honestly believe it is a good endorsement. To say that he is just doing this because the left is now going to not elect Nancy Pelosi is a ridiculous notion. The left is going to re-elect Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. And Donald Trump does want to uh, have deals cut with her. That scares the crap out of me. Especially because Nancy Pelosi has come out and said that gun control will be a top priority. Okay? This is from The Hill on November 8th. Pelosi, gun control, quote, will be a priority in the next House. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who plans to return as Speaker in the next Congress, declared Thursday that gun control will be a priority under the newly elected Democratic majority. Quote, I do believe because in this Congress there is bipartisan legislation to have common sense background checks to prevent guns from going into the wrong hands. It doesn't cover everything, but it will save many lives, Pelosi told CNN's Cuomo Prime Time, as the nation grapples with its latest mass shooting. And then they go in from there, bloviating. I've already criticized Donald Trump numerous times for his his lack of support of our natural right to bear arms. He signed the Fix Nix gun control bill, which if you missed the dissection of that bill that we did whenever it was first introduced last year, it incentivizes states to dump records into the National Instant Criminal Background Check database, the Nix system. Okay, Whenever you go and buy a firearm, whenever they make the phone call to the FBI to do your background check, that's the Nix system. The state is now incentivized via federal tax dollars to dump as many records in there as possible. 
It doesn't matter how if they're accurate or not, which means that if you share a similar name or the same name as somebody who is currently on the prohibited persons list, you could be wrongfully denied, in which case you have very little recourse. The recourse you do have will take a substantial amount of time for you to prove your innocence for never having, to com having committed a crime. He signed that bill into law that was written by our own Senator John Cornyn, a Republican. So when, and also, the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the new gun control bill that was introduced by House Republicans. Republicans having control of the Senate means nothing if they do not st uh, stand up for our rights. And I do not, I do not have enough faith in them to do that. There are only a handful of congressmen that I actually believe would stand up against something like this. And a handful is not a majority. Nowhere near a majority. This other bill that has been introduced in the House will very likely pass the House as it is a, an incentive for states to enact red flag laws. What are we going to do then? It's going to get, then go to the Senate where uh, you're, all they need is like, I don't know, four or five Republicans to turn against it. Well, that's not hard to get. And then guess what? It passes the Senate. Oh, and then it lands on Donald Trump's desk. What do you think he's going to do? He's already signed one gun control bill. He's been calling for a bump stock ban since uh, the Vegas shooting. That might be thrown in there too, God only knows. And he will sign that because he has before. This is your NRA-backed President Donald Trump. And the NRA isn't going to do anything about it because they've already come out in support of a bump stock ban, binary trigger ban, crank trigger ban, you name it. They are going to... Uh, strip our, our gun rights down even further. And this is what's sad. Think of this. Already, to date, Donald Trump has signed more gun control legislation than Barack Obama ever did. You know why? Because the Republicans refused to pass gun control uh, whenever, he, whenever they had control. But now that the Republicans have control of the Senate, the Democrats have the control of the House, and we have a Republican president who is calling for gun control, you better believe that they're going to cave. We need to understand this, and we need to realize what the consequences are of this election. We had a better chance of stopping this when Republicans controlled the House, and now the Democrats have control. And the Senate... I wouldn't put your faith in it. We should do whatever we can to stop it, but that's the thing. It is up to us to stop it. We cannot do this alone. We cannot just sit back and take for granted that the Republicans have control of the Senate and expect everything to be okay. There are things that I am kind of glad about uh, whenever it comes to things like spending. Republicans and Democrats both love to spend copious amounts of tax dollars. It just so happens they like to spend them on different things. So I'm at least optimistic that the, that the amount of spending might be drawn back just a little bit. 
but who knows? Whenever it comes to gun control, I am worried sick. I firmly believe that we will see gun control legislation signed uh, before the 2020 elections become hot and heavy. And you know what that means? That means that it is going to be in the back of everybody's mind and they are going to completely forget about it, which is even more dangerous. You know, um, Thomas Jefferson uh, is credited with saying that the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And whether he said that or not is is kind of hasn't been proven or disproven, but uh, that quote is incredibly correct. The reason that we are where we are is because we have a pe- we as a people have for generations become complacent and taken for granted that our government will do what we think uh, that we, we have taken for granted that our government is going to act as a fiduciary. They are going to keep our best interests uh, as they. Uh, they are going to act in our best interest. That's what I'm trying to say. The, the point is they, they haven't. And as a result, we are left with this incredibly large federal government that even the Federalists who were, uh, they uh, back in the 1780s, the Federalists were the ones who believed in a strong central federal government. And the Anti-Federalists were the ones who were hesitant about it. That's why in order for the Constitution to be ratified, the Federalists had to promise the Anti-Federalists that they would pass a constitutional amendment securing individual rights, which we know as the Bill of Rights. That is the only reason we have a Constitution right now. And uh, as a result, uh, well, I got off track, but even the, the Federalists of 1787 would look at our government today and their jaw would drop. It has grown to such a level that they would never have even fathomed. And yet here we are as an American people who are okay with the atrocities and usurpations of liberty and the amount of just, uh, just the amount of involvement in everyday life. It is, it is, it, it is cringeworthy. I think that if our founders were here, even the Federalists would look at this and like, what the hell happened? How did this how did this get this out of control? Government was never supposed to be this big. And yet it is. And it's because we the people have become complacent and we have not been vigilant. And now People are starting to wake up, and some would argue that it's too late to fix anything. I'm not going to give up. It might be a losing cause, but I'm going to keep fighting for uh, liberty to be restored. All it takes is is somebody to lead that fight. I, I wouldn't call myself a leader in that fight because there are plenty of other leaders, but we need to do it. We need to band together. We need to unite our voices and demand that the federal government relinquish, uh, I don't know, about 80% of its power, if not more. You know, speaking of the Constitution, I came across this very interesting piece. Um, and it's from a, a libertarian website called 71 Republic. And the, the, the headline was very captivating because it is never something that I thought about. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of read most of this. I don't want to bore you with it, but it is an interesting take 
as much as I love the Constitution, I cannot argue with this. It is the points that are made in this are almost bombproof. The headline is the Constitution is as effective as gun-free zones. And this is how it opens. The success and legitimacy of both the Constitution and, Amer and gun-free zones in America operate on the same system of flawed logic. Allegedly, firm supporters of gun rights in the conservative camp use an interesting argument. In reality, they often do... Uh, they often do indeed support some limitations on the right to bear arms. I've, I've brought those people up before, and I, I would hope that we would be able to convince them without chastising them. Anyway, um, However, for the sake of argument, allow me to table this point for the and deal with only those who truly support full gun rights. One of their arguments goes like this. One, many politicians advocate that we create gun-free zones in places such as schools and public places with the goal of combating gun violence. Two, people willing to commit murder are willing to break the law, as murder is usually illegal. Three, gun-free zones come in the form of other, less serious laws. Four, if someone will break a felony law, such as murder, then another, less serious law will not deter them from still killing. And five, Therefore, regardless of morals, creating gun-free zones are not an effective way to combat gun violence. And then it goes into the, le the legitimacy and the logic behind this argument that says if, you know, it kind of breaks it down even deeper. And I'm going to kind of uh, skip over that and go straight to the Constitution comparison. Surely, the above argument holds true, provided that it is both valid and sound. Then, of course, the same reasoning must hold itself to be true in, in other similar circumstances. If I can substitute the subject and object, but the logical premise remains the same, then the argument is also still valid and sound. Let's see what happens when placing this analysis on in the scope of a, of a binding by the Constitution. 1. Many politicians advocate that we create a Constitution to restrain government with the goal of combating a growing tyrannical state. 2. People willing to authorize killing are willing to break the law, as murder usually is illegal. 3. The United States Constitution comes in the form of United States law. 4. If someone is will authorize killing, then words on paper will not deter them from still authorizing killing. 5. Therefore, regardless of morals, creating a constitution is not an effective way to combat government growth. Why is it then that so many people seem, see the first one to be true, but not the second? Assuming the premise to be true, the conclusion is necessarily also true. Moreover, just like the above, the premise themselves were true. The Constitution, thus, is no more effective than gun-free zones. Anyone who uses this argument against gun-free zones should also recognize its futility in other areas, especially that of the Constitution. The size of government has increased continually, and no sign or words on paper can stop it. Uh, I'm going to link this entire article in show notes, um, so please go and take a look at this. Read it. In his entirety, he makes very, very valid points. 
And that's not to say that the Constitution is not necessary. The Constitution is supposed to limit the government, as he acknowledges. The problem is the Constitution is not a self-enforcing document. It takes outside influence to uh, uphold and enforce the Constitution. And the government, if it is wanting to expand, will not be that force. That is entirely up to we the people. We are the ones who need to be ever vigilant in order to secure liberty. And this is the single most important aspect that has been ignored for 200 years. Well, probably less than that, but at least 150 years. We have grown complacent, and our vigilance level has just suffered. We have grown government at such an incredible rate that it affects everyday aspects of our lives, that it was never intended to do so. I think that it is incredibly important that we understand this concept, and I think that's what he was trying to get at. Um, now, him being a, uh, a libertarian might be more along the lines of an anarchist. I'm not entirely sure, but to be completely honest, he's not wrong. In order for a gun-free zone to be... Uh, adequate or effective, you have to have an enforcement mechanism. Now, in order for a place to be secure, you have to have an enforcement mechanism. Usually, whenever you go to places like the airport or uh, a football stadium or what have you, there are uh, armed law enforcement there, right? Um and it's a gun-free zone, but you know law enforcement has it. And I don't. I'm not saying that that's a, a just, but the point is that at least in a in a gun-free zone like a a sporting event, there is still an enforcement mechanism to stop those who would seek to do harm. The Constitution needs an enforcement mechanism, and that's essentially what the Second Amendment was about. Because without it, the, the government could become tyrannical, right? Well, I would argue it's already tyrannical. Our natural liberties have been in, eroded for well over a century, at least. And it's not seeming to getting it, to, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. So I think that the important takeaway should be that we should take the responsibility upon ourselves and actually force our elected officials to remain in the boundaries of the Constitution. That's not saying that it's time to take up arms against the government because we can still do so legislatively. But we do need to be active we need to be so active that our elected officials have no choice in the matter. And that includes at the state level, too. Session is going to be starting here in a couple of months. And I'll tell you, Democrats gave a whopping on the state level. Harris County lost every single seat that was held by a, by a Republican. And um, 
I'm pretty sure that Harris County Republican Chairman uh, Paul Simpson, I'm pretty sure he's going to be out very soon. And uh, if he's not already. Uh, that, and that's, that's the largest county in Texas. Uh, we lost a handful of House seats. We lost uh, more than a couple of Senate seats. We still have a majority in both houses, but it's not nearly uh, what it was last session. And so we're already at a dis disadvantage trying to get constitutional carry passed. So it's going to be it's going to be tough, but we need people to be active. We can't do it on our own. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to go and in the show notes is a link to donate to Lone Star Gun Rights. I'm going to ask you to donate anything that you can. If it's $1, $5, $5,000, if you got it. <laughs> Any dollar that you donate to us is another, is another round in our mag whenever it comes to our battle that we are going to have to fight. We need constitutional carry passed. It is long overdue. And we are going to face some serious opposition, probably even more so than we did last session. And unfortunately, these battles are not free. So I'm going to ask you to please donate what you can if you are able. And um, uh, there are some things developing that we will unveil here in the near future. Um, but in the meantime, if you could please uh, donate if possible, we would greatly appreciate it. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for me, Lone Star Gunners. I uh, sincerely appreciate y'all's following and y'all's advocacy and everything. Uh, please share the podcast with uh, your friends and family. Make sure they are subscribed to stay up to date. And until next Monday, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo. Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Hosted and edited by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2018.